All right, everybody, welcome to our first episode. And uh, how fitting that we bring on Mr. John Prime. Since one is the prime number, like let's bring him in and kick <laughs> us off with this small little podcast. So happy to bring you in. Um, I thank you for joining us. And um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, mahalo, Aliko, for having me. Um, it's a real honor and a pleasure to, to be here with you and share in conversation. Uh, my name is John Prime Hina. Prime is uh, a name that I adopted when I was uh, around 13 years old, uh, just starting off as a graffiti artist and not, you know, just, just found that name to be fitting, you know, to my ideals at that time. And then it, it just stuck with me ever since. So a lot of people, they just, I, I know where you're from by the name you call me, you know, because everyone in town knew me as Prime. And so like, if they say, oh, I know that guy, his name is Prime. I know that you came from town. If you call me Johnny, I know that you came from the Winnard side. You know, if they call me Big John, then I know you came from the West side. Like there's all of these different variations of my name. Uh, but basically I grew up <clears throat> um, Pali Highway, went to school in town and, uh, and yeah, just spent all of my life um, on the island of Oahu. But I was born in American Samoa, uh, raised here, went to school and, you know, and learned so much from the culture, learned so much from two different cultures actually, the, I was raised, you know, in the Samoan culture. And then I learned English later on as I got older and then into school. And, uh, and then I didn't learn the Hawaiian culture until later on in my lifetime. Yeah, so like, I think I did a mural of um, Queen Lilio Kalani. And that's when uh, a famous musician Uncle Polani Vaughn, he took me in and he kind of introduced me to the culture from you know, from his perspective. and oh. Sorry, sorry, John, we, we broke up a little bit. Okay. Oh, my bad. Okay, can, um, where, what part was that? Start with a uh, famous musician, Palani Vaughn. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, I was blessed with the opportunity to meet um, Uncle Palani Vaughn. And he's the one that took me in and mentored me and showed me the different sides of the Hawaiian culture that I was never exposed to, you know, in my earlier days. And for me, like it was, it was something that I longed to, to learn, but I felt intimidated by because there was nobody to teach me. And he made that so much simpler as well as all of the, you know, all of the other um, Kanaka folk that, you know, that wanted to share space and, you know, like, 
um, share the philosophies behind Hawaiian culture. And that's what got me into really diving in deep because I like to do my research before I do a, an art piece. And, you know, in the beginning, just painting a, an image of, um, of the queen herself, uh, a 20, you know, a 20 foot image of her, it, it carried a lot of weight with me. And I, I, there were so many things that I couldn't explain, right? Because it was, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like you just painting a picture. There's all of these emotions that you go through, you know, as, as far as like struggling with self-identity, like who am I? Yeah. And what kind of Hawaiian am I? And why am I painting this this picture? So like I had all of these questions for uncle and you know he kept things really, really simple. Kept things as simple as possible. And and looking back at our conversations, it was really me that overcomplicated everything. It, it was because this is this is how I was taught. Yeah, this is how I was educated to think. And that education actually made things worse, you know, wow. for for understanding myself as a Kanaka. Yeah, as a Kanaka Maoli, who, you know, what what is my responsibility? So as I started to like learn my responsibility, and at that time, you know, I started my organization. 808 Urban, and it was designed to mentor youth and get them off the streets, you know, the, the ones that were into tagging and kind of show them a different, a different option as far as applying their creativity and making them more conscious about, you know, about the environment and about the culture, you know, and really trying to align them with that, you know, and then sharing different ideals to give them uh, to give them more diversity in their way of thinking and applying their thoughts. And that, that was the intention of the organization. And it was focused on hip hop because that was my upbringing in Hawaii. Like the whole Hawaii, you know, Hawaii hip hop history is, is vast and it, it started a lot sooner than a lot of people think or give credit to Hawaii because it's, they think of Hawaii as just a small island. But being on a small island with with a heavy occupation of military, you have all of these different influences that come in. And so we end up adopting these influences that, that fit with our ideals. And that's how we start really looking at, at you know, shaping our, ourselves around this, this movement that came from the East Coast of the US. Yeah, and then yeah. making it our own. And then going from that in 2007, you know, in my backyard to 2008 at Palama Settlement. Uh, 2010, we start moving into Kaka'ako and start, start you know, like we, we're, we're continuously pivoting and evolving, you know, according to our environment. Yeah. Right? Which, is, which is very, very typical for, you know, for an organization like ours to have to adopt, you know, um, adapt with the times and then it, it got to the point where we felt even more responsibility the kids started to understand the concept of creating art for the people and not just for wow. themselves yeah and and so that you know that was that was 10 years ago and then here we are now you know i 
the organization is still up and running. And now you have, you know, the next generation of leadership in place. So now there's a genealogy that's starting, right? Because you have these, these young adults, creatives that's, that were students of mine and stuck with the program and, you know, made a living off of, off of creating what they thought they, they could never create. Like they could never make a living off of doing art because that's what we're taught. You know, this, right. our, our parents' generation says that, you know, artists don't make money. They're, they're just, they're always starving. That's why they call them starving artists. Yeah. But, but I think the opposite is true. If, if you apply yourself with good intentions, yeah, and, and always care for others. And that's what the kids, you know, started to, adopt into their own ideals and they started doing that and applying it and it, it you know they they started getting more inquiries about hey you know like our school scene what you did with that school can you come and do this yeah and then, so now yeah so now myself as a you know as a makua as a parent overseeing you know like the the kids that i've raised and seeing their successes it, it feels really good. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of like, that's, if, if you're thinking about what can I do in this lifetime to make the world better, do something for the Lahui. Yeah, do something for the people outside of yourself, outside of your immediate family, you know, outside of your extended family and try, try and affect uh, or impact as many people as you can in a positive way. And that's what I've, I've been able to do. So that's basically my story where, you know, I'm, I'm a townie who, who grew up in town, ended up on the West side, raised my kids, you know, half of my kids on the West side, eventually making, making it over to the Ko'olaos and then the other half of my family. So it's, it's interesting. You got leeward kids. I got leeward kids and I have windward kids. Yeah. You know, so you got the, <laughs> We got the best of Ka'ala and we got the best of Ko'olau. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all encompassing. All encompassing. So yeah, Man. that's my story. <laughs> powerful story. Powerful story. And and absolutely true. Just to first of all, to have an have an identity that's rooted within yourself as well as uh, rooted within your culture is 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 so powerful because not only are you connected to what you're doing right now, but you're connected to all of your ancestors of the past and all of your actions that affect the future. So yeah, I'm so glad that you're here like to, to do this and that you've done this for generations of, um, or at least one that's gonna spread, yeah. spread further and further. Um, man, that's awesome. So. Okay, so for our, our last um, conversation that we had, uh, I remember that you were talking about the Kauhale system and how the Kauhale system was used in uh, ancient Hawaii for um, setting up the village, but also for other purposes. So could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the, the Kauhale system, you know, it was a word that I came across uh, I want to say around 2011, 2012, so somewhere around that time, and I was just I was just fascinated by that concept because I understand like it's very very similar to the Samoan culture, right? You have, you know, you have 
the the front house where people come you know if there's visitors there's there's a house for that you know and then there's all of these different houses so when i heard kahale uh, i dug into it a little bit more and i came across this really really interesting article uh it was a dissertation by a young man uh by the name pika clark and he did a dissertation on the kahale and how it you know the the traditional form of kahale and you know after reading it like three or four times i was just like this is this is exactly what i'm what i'm doing with 808 urban right i'm i'm doing all of these different hales but mm. instead of like hale for a specific purpose it was hale of a specific location so i had you know i had kamehameha school students so they they were part of the kaohale they had their own hale i had roosevelt students i had you know like punahou students so it was a mix waipahu you had public and you had private school all mixed yeah. and that's how i see my kaohale and that's how i designed it but he went even further like this guy went to like there's a god of mirage that i've never heard of and his name is limaloa and when i started to like read more into limaloa i was like wow this guy is like he's like if if the greek gods had an architect that 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 was limaloa yeah wow. and, and you know the the gist of his story is every every night when the sun would set he would come out and he would pretty much redesign the stars yeah the, the he would rearrange the different stars in the sky to make different houses and different plans and if you talk to like some of the navigators a lot of our constellations are are housed that this this um star line belongs in in this house and this one belongs in this house and that's kind of like lima law that's lima law is the one that that does all of the these things he's the so mastermind i thought yeah he's the mastermind i thought that was really really interesting and then as i dug in deeper like you you had all of your your different houses that function differently you know one for the men one for the women you had your halimai and halimai or like in in the Samoan language is the falimai the falimai is the hospital right but in oh. the halimai it's when the uh, when the female was going through her you know her her monthly thing you know yeah um and she couldn't go out into the lo'i so she had to stay in the halimai until she was clean again yeah because mm. everything's coming out and so i was like this this is awesome and as i dug deeper into into kaohale i also learned that it's it's a memorization um technique yeah so all of the great greek wow. philosophers uh plato you know socrates they were able to recite vast amounts of information based on how they stored information you know so the hawaiians use the same technique in their memorization in their reciting of oli uh reciting mele and it's it, and you know the way it works is you you picture yourself walking into your house that you know very well and you know the whole layout so if i walk into the entrance of of my house i'll see 
my kitchen wall. And then on that wall, I would memorize bits of information. So like a paragraph or even like one line. And then, you know, I'll turn to the left, there's another wall. I'll, I'll stick the next line on that wall and so on and so forth. So it's like taking a house tour in your mind and then placing the information along the way. So that way it's like a, it's like an alert, right? So like as soon, like in your mind, when you see that wall, there's a notification that goes off and say, this is line one. And then you turn to the next wall, this is line two. You know what I mean? And that's how they're able to sit there and recite by just going back into their house and taking that, that tour. Now, if, if the house is full of information, then you move to your, your neighbor's house. You know, then you move to that neighbor's neighbor's house. And then you, you're you pretty much traveling within your kauhale, you know, to, to remember, you know, 200 lines, 400 lines, you know, the kumulipo, right? Wow. And it's, it's, to this day, people still practice it, right? Like, but, but we don't practice it today because we have smartphones. <laughs> we have yeah. Google, we have Alexa. <laughs> Like leave it all up to them, but then what does that do for ourselves? You know what I mean? And we, I feel like it's it's great to have that technology, but not as the primary source. If if yes. anything, it should be a it should be a backup source. Yeah. And if we could treat our minds and exercise our minds the same way, you know, people go to the gym to exercise muscle. You know, that, yeah, we'd be so much better off. Right. But we always we always use the the technology as the default, you know, and, and I, I feel right. like we need to reset. And so that's that's my whole thing with the Kauhale. You know, and then we also talked about the the Kukini. Yeah, the Kukini yeah. is yeah. the runner, right? And then also the Elele or the messenger. Yeah, and like my you know, my my kumu. I have so many kumu. That's the thing. It's, it's, it's so awesome to have a lot of kumu in Hawaii. Um, but one of my kumus, yeah. you know, he, he taught me about kukini and their primary function as a, as a runner. You know, they, they chose like the fastest runners to, to deliver messages. Right? right. And we didn't have pen or paper. They had to memorize the message verbatim. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if you, you know what I mean? Like if, if you got one word off, that could change the message like completely. And, you know, it, it'll change the course of history. And usually those guys got executed just for saying it wrong. You know what I mean? Ooh, so High stakes, high stakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, like we, we're so, like when I look at text messaging today, like we're so lazy in, in mm. using text, you know, th there's no Y or U, you know, Y or U. It's just you. Know, it's just you. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, and then we got like WTF. So we're, we're down to acronyms. Like, can you imagine if the Kukini back then worked with acronyms and they they would <laughs> go from one one Ahupua to the next Ahupua and and be like um, WTF? <laughs> OMG. LMAO. <laughs> <laughs> and then like if there's mana in our language then you lose all of that 
by abbreviating. Wow. You yeah. know what I mean? You, you lose the intention behind all of all of the words that our, you know, our ancestors put thought into creating. So that way we could, you know, we could understand it. Like we could understand it and make it hard for us to to be deceitful with it and, and just yes. purposeful. You know what I mean? Like that language don't lie. I can't say the same for English, you know, because right. like once upon a time, bad wasn't good. You know, <laughs> now it's good. <laughs> but now it's good. Now it's like, oh man, she bad. You know, yeah. like, tell somebody from the 1950s and, and they'll tell you like, oh, why, what did she do wrong? You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, so like, that's how language can, can evolve and, and turn into something that, that doesn't mean the same, you know, a generation ago or two, you know, but our language is still the same. How many, how many generations later, it's still the same. It evolves and, you know, it, 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 uh, it evolves a little, but it, it doesn't move away from its original intention, not by far. There you go. Not, that original not like going, right. Not not like going from bad meaning bad to bad meaning good. Like that's a complete 180. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But in our words, it's just a couple of degrees off. So taking kukini and doing a wordplay on it, uh, my my kumu taught me about kuakini. Right. And then I was like, what is kuakini? He said, Well, you know, the kuakini means multitude, right? It's like innumerable. So like there's mm. a kukini, the runner, and then there's the kuakini, which is the multitudes. Like not only are you running, you know, to to complete a task for today, but you're also carrying the multitudes on your back, the multitudes of generations on your back, because you come from this line and you come from this practice or this discipline. So there's all of this responsibility that, that falls on your shoulder when you move from point A to point B. And what is not discussed enough is everybody looks at the physical attributes, right? They, they observe that and, and they acknowledge that. Well, in, you know, in Polynesian observation, it's much more than just the physical, it's, it's the, it's the it's the spiritual side, right? And Hawaiian people are, are very heavy in spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. So this spirituality, you say a prayer before you run, right? And then you reach your destination, you you say gratitude for completing your task. Right. Then there's the elele. The elele is the messenger, the one that the one that's supposed to deliver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like when I when when we were having this conversation around the kauhale, the kukini, the elele, like we, we can't spot them now. They're hard to spot. Yeah. You know, um, we we as humans, we evolve with the current times. You know what I mean? Like back in the day we we had our we we had our jammies, we had, you know, our our polo and all of that, but if you look at the person, you still see a Hawaiian. Right. You know what I mean? And 
like today's generation you it's it's almost like i see a white skinned kid you know and then i'm thinking oh, okay well maybe this is a holly kid and then they open their mouth and everything that comes out of their mouth is is makoolelo hawaii right it's all in the hawaiian language and you're just like whoa what the hell <laughs> you know like, yeah it's it's interesting to see that like i couldn't if i just take the physical right and judge according to the physical then that gives me one thing but when this child opens their mouth like all of a sudden it it just messes my programming up and so they're harder to spot you know and then you see ones that's like okay this one must be a hawaiian kid and then they open their mouth and it's like oh wait what the hell <laughs> <laughs> this kid is lost yeah <laughs> they don't sound hawaiian yeah they don't sound hawaiian so like there's we're stuck in an interesting time where we cannot we cannot solely like come to a conclusion based off of what we see you know appearances yeah yeah but we have to observe the demeanor we have to observe much more than that yeah and well first of all we shouldn't pass judgment anyway right 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 just, we should just accept and and that's that's our culture is we're always accepting yeah and then <clears throat> like when we we're talking about how how are we going to how are we going to share this information with the kids and and kind of get them to you know to either play along or you know to participate uh we i, I don't know i I feel like we we can make games that help with memorization. Uh, we we can have we can have games that you know like a scavenger hunt where they collect bits of information, and then you know recite that information verbatim. I mean, yeah. not like we're gonna execute the kids if they don't say it correctly. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like just get them practicing. Yeah, like the makahiki games. You know. If we're in Makahiki season, like the Makahiki games was was designed to help us retain more information and help us be better people, and you know it was it was an education tool yeah. for for all of us. It was a time for education, and I think like this this uh, whatever like if, if it's a program or I'm I'm not too sure what to call it, but. I think this is a great start to helping us remember ourselves. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And that's perfect. That brings me right into um, why we're doing a podcast is to share some mo'olelo. And I feel like mo'olelo is, and well, all of our theory craft is games, pals. We feel like uh, mo'olelo is so important because it contains that information uh, of who we are and we get to understand who we are as as people as as Hawaiians um, who are we and what what does all of this mean and what does this tell us about us so I would love if you could share a mo'olelo with us <laughs> awesome well I think a good place to start is in the language um, taking mo'olelo and dissecting it to gain better understanding 
right? Like in science class, that's why we dissected the frog, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which I failed miserably because I just couldn't cut anything. <laughs> um, but mo'o, so like the, the, the very beginning is the most important clue, mm. right? It's, it's that mo'o. And what is the mo'o? You know, it's, it's the dragon, it's the lizard. It's, it's not the Geico one, but it's the lizard. You know, there's so many, it's the gecko. Like so many people have their interpretations of mo'o. But, you know, like another way to look at it and uh, one of the ways I like to look at it is when, when I think of mo'o, I think of water. Yeah. Mm. And when I think of water, I think of, of us as humans, mostly, you know, made up of water so like and water carries energy yeah right and i think of um you know i think of all of the words that begin with mo'o and and why they're so vital to our existence like for example moku au hao yeah mm. that's that's one common example and that's our genealogy basically right and then you have your mo'opuna yeah or the the water that came from the source right that's that's our little water you got big yeah. water little water and so mo'olelo is the water of you know of our you know of our language it's it's in our stories right this so yes. what we're in essence we're sharing the the vibration of this water right i'm wow. i'm a i'm a vessel of water and so all I'm doing is I'm sharing my vibration with you. Wow. And so all the different waters out there that accept this, this vibration, then we become pilina to one another. Yeah. In, in our philosophies, in our ideals. Yeah. That's, that's how I, I see mo'olelo, right? Is, is the sharing of vibration. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. Already, bro. My seatbelt is is buckled. Yeah, so I, always, I always like to tell my students and everybody I talk to, like, okay, you ready? Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> you know, it's the law. When I when I'm driving, anyway. So <clears throat> my my thing, my moral level that I wanted to share today with you folks is is the question of what or who is a Hawaiian, yeah. Um, because I, I feel like in order for us to move forward as a collective and, you know, as, as a people, we need to really survey ourselves. Yeah, Sur take a, a self-survey of, of our ideologies and, and then throw down in a hat and see which ideas stick or which ideals stick. And so I'm not here to speak on everybody else's ideals, but I'm here to speak on my own, which is an observation of other people's ideals. I didn't make this stuff up myself because I'm, I'm not an originator. I'm just a recreator, right? In a long gene genealogy of recreators. Yeah, so mm -hmm. that's the question that I wanted to to address as a mo'olelo, right, is what what is a Hawaiian. And before, you know, before I get into the, my, my own conclusion, I wanted to kind of look at the past as, 
as the indicator yeah, of, of why there's, you know, the information is so dispersed and why we're, we're not really on the same page as, you know, as a nation, as a kingdom, as a, an independent neutral country. Yeah. And, I, you know, one of the things that pop up for me is the, um, is the Homestead Act, you know, 1920. Mm. Uh, Prince Kuhio, um at that time, he, he drafted his version of the Homestead Act because, you know, Congress was saying like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna enable you Hawaiians to basically live on your land according to our rules, but we'll give you the opportunity to create the first draft and then we'll approve it or not approve it. And when wow. he seen the blood quantum that he put, they, they seen the blood quantum that he put down, he was like, they're like, you're crazy. You know, you're crazy if you think that we're gonna accept this because in essence, what you're saying in this, you know, and I encourage folks to look into it. Yeah, because there's two drafts and there's, so there's the original draft and then there's the edited version, you know, oh. or the Holly version. Oh. And the Holly version is misleading, right? But if you look at the Kanaka version, it really tells the truth on what, what the intention was for our people, according to, you know, uh, Prince Kuhio himself. And he could see that the climate at that time with all of these foreign interests coming in, our bloodline is gonna get diluted. And so he wasn't thinking about the next generation, the next three generations. He was thinking, you know, 10 generations down the line, what is that gonna be? Right. right. And does that mean that their kids or their great, 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 great grandkids are not gonna have an opportunity because they don't, you know, they don't, they don't fit the parameters of, you know, of the bill. Yeah. Congress turned around and told them, you know, um, no, we're gonna switch it. And so in order for you to exist on this land, you, you gotta have 50% because wow. they, ex they expected everybody to just, to just um, water themselves down and then move, right? They don't qualify right. anymore. That was so the that plan. way when, that was the plan, yeah. And, but the Hawaiians seen this, they seen this coming. And that's why they encouraged, they encouraged families to keep the blood strong, you know, maintain, maintain that bloodline so that way we can exist. You know what I mean? We could have easily went out and say, F you guys, and we're gonna, you know, like screw this and, you know, Hawaiian lives matter. So, you know, we could have done all of those things. Right. But we're peaceful people. And so we adhered to the laws. Yeah. And then we turned around and we made it work. Yeah, to a certain degree. But we definitely outlasted that generation of thinkers that believe that by giving them one generation, you know, to get off the land, we can take over, you know what I mean? And everything will go back to our way of doing things. But it's, it's, it's a testament of our resilience, you know, as, as a people. Yeah, the other one, the other story that comes to mind is the, the Captain Cook story. You know what I mean? Like when he arrived, the, 
it's interesting because the Hawaiians already, they already were expecting Lono to appear, mm-hmm. right? But it was, it was actually a phenomenon like that, that brought these two parties together, the Hawaiian people and, and Captain Cook, because Captain Cook was just the driver of the vessel that was bringing the scientists to observe the transit of Venus. Oh, wow. Did right. not know that. <laughs> so, yeah, so transit of Venus is, is a phenomenon that happens every so, like every 500 years or so. Because the Hawaiians observed the stars and because of the, the, the way the genealogy kept the information intact from generation to generation, they could already foresee that something was coming. Right? They could predict. Yeah. Yeah. And so they predicted Lono is coming. And what they meant by Lono is it's it's a white, it's a white flash. Right? It's oh. something that has to do with white. Right. And so if you look at the transit of Venus, it matches the description, it matches the story, and then boom, you have this, you have this white sail and white va'a on the water. And it's like, wow, he landed. He actually landed. But Captain Cook was just there because, you know, these scientists, they knew about it. And they were like, we need to hire somebody that can take us to the specific coordinate on our map, which didn't have our island on it. But we were close to it, if not on that, that specific coordinate. So when he came in, he was like, oh, crap, there's some islands here. You know, so there's this happy accident that happens. And initially, the Hawaiians thought that, oh, OK, this is awesome. We have, we have Lono here. And like, we can't believe he's, he's live. Right? And then their observation started to change. Yeah. Through their observation, they realized, yeah. Through their observation, they realized this is, this is different. Something is, something is definitely off. You know what I mean? Um, but again, how did they come to that conclusion? It was their spirituality that, that brought them to that conclusion. Yeah, their belief system yeah. and their traditions, right? So, you know, I don't want to get into the whole everything else about Captain Cook or, or all of that. It's, yeah, that whole just, can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to like piece together a, a bunch of events that happened in, in our genealogy. Right. And another one is... You know, another one to, to talk about is like the the bloodline of the Ali'i. That was that was important. Yeah, because that determined, you know, where you're from just by the mana of your name. Right. Yeah. And that told that told a whole genealogy. That's why our kupuna they they always ask, right? So like when their mo'os are dating, you know, they're like, uh, what's your last name? And if you knew the last name, you knew everything about the family, right? Yeah. That was, your, that was your ID card. Back in the day. Yeah. You know, and that's all you needed was just your name for everybody to know who you are. Yeah. And there were specific families, you know, in there, there was families that, that carried the mana, that had the genealogy that came, that can trace all the way back to 
to Kahiki, right, to the origin, depending on, you know, whatever your, your belief system is. But there's that consistency that takes you back to the origin. There is an origin. Yeah. And those are the people that were considered full of mana. Mm. Yeah. And so um, uh, there, were, there were those that, like Kamehameha, for example, he didn't come from that line. Right. But he took that mana. Right. Mm. He took that mana and, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to look at it, but he took that mana, you know, to create, to, to fulfill his destiny of unifying, you know, the islands, the islands. And, and everything, right? And there's good and bad ways to look at that, yeah. yeah. So when, you know, like listening to the story of um, Keopolani and Kamehameha, and how you have this sacred family. He chases her to Hawaii and pretty much, you know, gives them a, an ultimatum that, you know, if 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 you marry me, then I'll take care of your family. You know, like his word was bond. You know what I mean? Like he was, yeah. he was, he was a general, like a true general. And and for him to to respect the practice, right? He's he's supposedly this this massive warrior that can just kill people on the spot and just like do all of these things. But then it comes to this person that carries mana, something that he cannot fight physically, but right. he understands completely. And he crawls on his belly to propose, like that's that's heavy. Yeah, um, wow. That's, that's heavy because we, you know, it, it, again, it ties us back into that spirituality, yeah, of of understanding who we are, yeah. So there's that's that's another story, and and you know, like the kids now, you know, working with the kids, the first thing they'll do is they'll come up to me and tell me their bloodline. Mm. You know what I mean? They're like, "Oh, yeah. uncle, you know, you know this name, oh that name," and I'm like, um. No, not really. You know, I just play dumb with them, right? And then they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, I come from a chief family. And so I look at the kid and I'm like, oh, really? Like, yeah, bro. I get, I get a strong family. Like, we all Ali'is. And I said, so you're an Ali'i too? And, and the kid goes, yeah, I'm an Ali'i too. And I says, but you're in this alternative program because you're not doing good in school. And he goes, ah, that's because, you know, ah. I don't know. I, I don't do better things, right? And so I look at the kid just to mess with him, right? I tell the kid, so if you come from this bloodline of chiefs and we go like according to the, the rules of the chief, that means if I kill you, I can take everything that you own and all of your family's belongings. And you see this kid's eyeball just get so big and he's looking at me like, uncle, what you talking about? No, 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 uncle. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, boy, you don't like, you don't go throwing yourself out like that. You know, what I mean? that's not right. You know, this. When I ask you, then that's when you tell me. But don't come up to me first and tell me like who you are and what you represent, because then I'll look at you like, 
man, and how have you contributed to this awesome genealogy by being here, you know? And like I tell the kids, you know, like that's just one of the stories, but ultimately I always tell the kids, you know, you're not in a program or you're not in prison because you did something bad. My belief is that you're gonna do something great. And this is part of that lesson to get there. Yeah, because we are as, as common observers, we just observe this lifetime. We don't observe previous lifetimes or future lifetimes. Like in, that's how our Hawaiian people were. When they kilo, they kilo everything. Yeah. They kilo what existed before and they kilo what, you know, the projection. Yeah. You know, cause you can kilo that. Yeah. But besides just what's present, it's, it's the before and the after. And when you start to kilo in that sense, you start to see a, a much, much bigger picture. Yeah. And so when I think about what is Hawaiian and who is Hawaiian, I mean, I just growing up and seeing what was happening in the news, I, I seen, you know, Hawaiians as, as just angry people. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's how they're portrayed in the news. Just right. when, you know, I associated them with a lot of anger and frustration and there, there was no empathy, empathy on, on behalf of the media. Like yeah. they, they were just labeled and that was it because that's how, you know, so it, it was looked down upon as being a Hawaiian, you know, and not really celebrated. So I grew up in that, that space that didn't celebrate the culture that mm. way. But yet I knew I carried cocoa. Yeah, I knew I carried that blood, but because of my, you know, because of my upbringing and my environment, I just didn't know how. Yeah, mm. and then now that, you know, fast forward how many decades later, and, and I've, I've really shaped my, you know, my conclusion on on all of these different observations on my past, what I'm currently going through and then what the projection is. And my conclusion is, you know, Hawaiian, Hawaiian is, is definitely not a race. Yeah. And one example is, you know, I, I visited this high school that we're, we're doing a mural together and it was about a class of 50. And I asked the class, you know, how many of you guys are Hawaiian? and three kids in the back raised their hand. And so I look at the kid in the front and I point to him and I said, okay, you're not Hawaiian, what are you? And he said, oh, uh, I'm Filipino. And I said, oh, okay, awesome. What, what island were you born on? And he said, no, I wasn't born in the Philippines. I was born here. I said, where's here? He said, Hawaii. And I, and I looked at him and I just, stared him down and he was looking at me like, did I say something wrong? <laughs> you know? And I said, put like, let me go write this on the board. Yeah, so I basically told the kids, so if you're born in Hawaii and you're not Hawaiian, what are you? And then I asked the kid, are you racist? And he was like, what? No, like <laughs> he couldn't believe the questions I was asking. I'm like, well, yeah. I'm not racist. And I said, well, think about it, right? To really think about it. You're acknowledging Hawaiian as a race. You know what I mean? 
And then because, I mean, because you feel like you're not that race, you're something else that you're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I say, have you ever been to the Philippines? He said, no. I said, then how can you speak about your birthplace like that? You know? Wow. And so like, how many of our kids now are born in Hawaii, on Hawaiian soil, right? And, and they cannot say that they're Hawaiian because somebody else's belief system says they, they cannot. Right. Because somebody else's belief system, it, it usually views Hawaiian as a race and not as a nationality, not as a citizenship. And when I started to explain that to the kids, I said, if we start looking at Hawaiian as a citizenship and not a race, how many of you guys are Hawaiian? And all of them raised their hands. Wow. So that means a small percentage of, of the greater classroom actually acknowledged Hawaiian, you know, as, as, you know, as them as subjects to the Hawaiian kingdom. Right. But what about that vast majority that's kind of stuck in purgatory and don't know what to claim? Yeah. What about you know, them? What about them? You know, so they're born on the soil, but they're not allowed to be claimed, you know, not allowed to claim Hawaiian because it's a race issue. And that's not the kid's fault. That's our fault. You know, that's our fault for carrying on our parents' ideals. Well, we taught them. We taught them. We taught what was taught to us. Yeah. And so I'm hoping that in, in this conversation, we can start to shift. Yeah, because it's the power of compounding. Yeah. You know, the power of compounding means that if, if the vibration from this water resonates with other waters, then that's just going to keep compounding. Yeah, mo'olelo. Yeah. Yeah, and so the, the kids, like I asked the kids, okay, so you ask somebody from California, New Jersey, you know, Virginia, what are they? They'll tell you we're American, but I don't see any state called America. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I said, well, then do you know any, um, you know, what, what is the American race? What does, what does that look like? And they're like, um, we don't know. I said, okay, well, then who are you? And what are you? You know, and now when I revisit these kids, and I'm like, oh, how are you Hawaiian? They're like, oh, what's up Hawaiian? I said, okay, now, you, now you're learning. Now you're learning. Yeah, so the conclusion of this, this whole, you know, kuka kuka is about acknowledging ourselves as citizens or subjects of the kingdom. And rightfully so, like we are Hawaiian. Yeah, you can be poi haole if you like. You can be all of these things. But not only are you citizens or subject of the kingdom, but you also carry the same responsibility to care for your soil the same way that Kanaka Maoli do. You know, and, and they, so if they farming side by side with us, right? Um, I, I see them as equals. I don't see them as like lesser or more because our language has done that to us. 
the English language anyway. Yeah. Yes. So the the concept of in-laws. You know, I my my daughter gets married. And so now I'm supposed to address her husband as my son-in-law, according to Western ways. But my belief system is different. My belief system is that this, this child that, that married my child becomes my child. And so why should I give him a different title? Right? right. So when I introduce them, I introduce them as this is my daughter, this is my son. Yeah. Just to let him know that I'm 100% in. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you attach in law to it, it almost sounds like you're going 50%. Yeah. Like just yeah. in case, no work out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like, oh, that's my mother in law. That means like I'm, I'm not really fully committed. Like I have this, this clause in my relationship that says if I, don't, if I don't like her, then I can just like call her an in law and that separates me from her. Wow, that's you know, just a, such a powerful, subtle thing. It is. It's super subtle. You know another subtle thing? The word mainland. Yeah. I always, you know, the kids talk to me like, oh, you know, I'm from the mainland. And they're looking at me like, oh, cocky. And I'm looking at them like, really? Then what are you doing here? Oh, I just came because, you know, my parents decided to move here and all of that. And I said, oh. I don't know, maybe you should go look at the dictionary because like, the, you know, if, if my dictionary is the same as yours, I mean, I think it's fair to say that the land that your feet is on is the main land, you know? Yeah. And if, if we start acknowledging our land as the main land, right, then that puts us in place of power, that, that puts us that enables us to acknowledge ourselves, yeah? But when we consider ourselves subordinate of the mainland, like why are we calling a place that we've, we've never been to or probably will never go in our lifetime, the mainland? Like, yeah. I, I never understood that. So when people come to me and they say, yeah, I'm from the mainland. I said, oh, me too. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, what state? I'm like, right here. <laughs> and they look at me like, what? I said, hey, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's just a different ship. Yeah, but our ship is awesome too. You know, we got yeah. diversity over here. We got all kinds of flavors. You know, why you come here if you think that your side is better? It, it's not a matter of which one is better or worse. It's it's a matter of acknowledging ourselves. Yeah, it's a, it's a matter of seeing ourselves as the mainland. If, if we're not the mainland, then why is this a popular tourism destination? Right, like even just calling something the main means everything else is the side. So us calling <laughs> that the mainland makes us the side land. I don't like being the side. <laughs> Look, when I go on vacation, I don't want to go to the mainland. I just kind of want to go to the sideland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We don't like, mean. Yeah, what, what are we, sideland? Why you pay so much money to come to the sideland? Didn't you come from the mainland? Yeah. You stay on the mainland. You know? Yeah, stay over there. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll enjoy my mainland. 
because this is where my main priorities are. This is where my main responsibilities are. And so my responsibility is to help usher that new generation into, you know, into helping them remember what was in existence before all of these events took place and helped us get to a place of confusion. Mm. Yeah. And in order, you know, in order for that to happen, you know, there's, there's three words that's been coming up to me lately. It's, it's the word hapai. It's the, the second word is um, hanau. And the third word is hanai. Yeah, so han, hapai, you know, loosely translated is, is pregnancy, right? Like, oh, you know, so-and-so is hapai. Um, but when you look at the, the definition of hapai, it, it actually means to carry. You know, it, it means to, to lift or to hold up. You know, it's also a variety of banana, right? Um, <laughs> it also means to support or to encourage, like that's hapai as well. All these yeah. things. So, all these different things that we, we take for granted because we hear it from mainstream media or some, you know, I don't know, some advertisement or- Or some someone tells us what it means. Right, yeah. yeah. So hapai, you know, hapai means to carry. And, you know, so what does that mean? Like we, we have to hapai our, our next generation. You know, we have to, we, we have to carry them, you know, into, into this, this next, uh, next transition from the age of the, the industrial age into the age of technology. Yeah, so we're carrying them into that. And, and how we carry them is vital to our existence of who we are. Yeah, so it, it goes back to why this, this kauhale and helping our kids, you know, memorize and hear the stories of their kupuna to co and to give them that option to continue, you know, the genealogy that, that was there before my time, before your time, and the genealogy that's coming after their time. Yeah, so what are we gonna hapai? What are we gonna support? You know, like there's so many ways to, to see hapai. Yeah, so maybe that's one word to think about in your day to day is what can I hapai today? What can I carry today? Yeah. You know, what everybody talks about, oh, you know, I need a daily motivation. I need all of these things. So we go to our social media to feel good about ourselves, but we're still struggling inside. And it's because we're not carrying anything ourselves. We're just looking at what other people are carrying and feeling inspired to carry. But until we go through the act of carrying ourselves is when we actually, we, we actually do the act of hapai, yeah, or supporting a family member in whatever struggles or endeavors they're going through. Like, like that's very important. Right. Yeah, that's an important thing to remember too, because um, I, I my chest not gonna get bigger by watching somebody else do push-ups. So, like, my belly does though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, I asked my friend like, "Hey, how can I get, how can I get this big belly up on onto my chest?" And he said, "Try handstand." <laughs> <laughs> 
hopefully, hopefully, it just, <laughs> gravity does the work. But yeah, it's it's so it's so powerful and, and fascinating the subtleties of language as well. Um, like like what you were talking about, just thinking about these words and what they truly mean and what they truly mean to to us as a people um, and how it was used. That is all wrapped up in the mo'olelo and just the power of language to, to tell you who you are. And mo'olelo, like you were saying, I love that interpretation where it's just, it's vibration. It's that vibration where this water of, of my language, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nourish you with this water of my language. And, it, and it's used as a nourishment. So that mo'olelo that we can that we can learn and remember from people such as yourself, um, that will nourish who I feel I am and who I know I am, and that's something that's that's super important. Um, that's just gonna yeah. help. That's gonna help anyone who who never knew any of this stuff before, especially someone who identifies as a Hawaiian. It gives you that identity. Yeah. Well, it goes into the next, the next word, which is the hanau part, yeah? Mm -hmm. So the hapai part is we're carrying, we're carrying these ideals. And then when we come to our own conclusions through whatever process we use, then you have the hanau, yeah? Now it's time to, to give birth, right? So us as creative artists, we're, we always hapai and hanau. You know, mm -hmm. we hapai a thought and then we hanau an, an image right of what that thought was you know what i mean yeah. and and so it can be used in so many different ways of how how we hapai and hanau yeah and when we hanau like going back to the language thing hanau in basically means to give birth yeah, yeah. but hanau also means family yeah and we don't recognize that unless we go deeper into the language, deeper into the past of the language. And you, you go to like Samoa, Tonga, and there's that word whanau, yeah? The whanau is the family, right? But it's very broad in its meaning, yeah. And I feel like when it, when it came, when it arrived in Hawaii, it, it got more and more precise. You know, with mm. what it was, what what it was intended to be, yeah. And so that that hanau is it, it marks a specific time, yeah. Mm. Whereas the fanau, it it just it's a coverall, yeah. Yeah. And so when we hanau something, when we give birth to something, you know, it that becomes our laws and and how we how we move forward in life, yeah whatever we hanau. Mm -hmm. So if it's if it's bad thoughts and that's our hanau, then that's our hanau. We have to deal with that. Yeah. If it's good thoughts, then that's what we hanau. Yeah. And and that's you know, that's a way to observe everything. Everybody's so stuck on it has to be positive and it has to be all of these things and and you know it it doesn't it doesn't match their 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 code their gene code you know what i mean because we're in the process of 
adopting other things, which is the third word, the hanai. Yeah. So the hanai. And there's all of these three words carry one common denominator, and that's the ha or that breath. Yeah. 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 All these different styles of breath. Yeah. In yoga meditation, you have breathing techniques and everything else is all everything's about breathing, right? It's about the inhale and the exhale. Right. And that's the ha, right? The hapai hanao and hanai. And the hanai is, it might not fit your gene code per se, but it doesn't mean that you cannot allow it to fit in your gene mm. code. Yeah. And hanai, hanai, for those of you that don't know, basically means to adopt. Yeah. But it's commonly used in, in the term like adoption. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? So. In, in the adoption practice, it's, oh, this is my Hanai daughter, this is my Hanai son. Yeah, but there's there's so many more applications for that word. Yeah, and it's it's adopting, you know what I mean? Like, like going back to the whole fitness thing, you know, kids are, are going to the gym, going to fitness, right? But what that does is that takes them away from, from the mala, from the local ia. Mm, yeah, which was the original yeah. gym. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that was the original gym. And that's where we practice strength and endurance and, and while being productive. You know, like one of my travels in Taiwan, I observed we were in Tainan, south of uh, Taiwan, at this, uh, like, this marketplace of food. And it was so amazing. And right next to it, there's like this two-story gym and just all these people on treadmills walking, you know, and if you don't know Taiwan, Taiwan is like the motherland of scooters or well, as we know, we know it here as mopeds. Oh, yeah. Mosquito so bring the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I was, I was talking to the English speaking translator and I was like, so where do these guys live? And they're like, oh, you know, like, they live around here, but it's not close. It's usually like around 30 minutes. So I'm like, you know, like, I don't mean to sound like an ass or anything, but <laughs> wouldn't it make sense for them to save money and walk all the way over here for 30 minutes and walk back if they want to do a 60 minute workout instead of paying like $40 a month <laughs> to go walk the place upstairs? And you spend gas money getting on your scooter to drive all the way over here to walk in place for 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes so much sense. <laughs> but you see what we're, what we're hanaying. So we, we hapai these things and then we hanao this, this ideology that this is the best way for us to live a better lifestyle. Mm. And then we hapai that, that becomes us now. And it doesn't make sense. You know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, like the hanao part, um, there's this word, kuliana hanao, which is this natural or natural or inalienable right. So pretty much the right of the people of the land. Mm. You know, like it's not the government's place to, to speak on the indigenous people's rights to their own land. You know, like yeah. I was saying earlier, the Homestead Act is other people telling us how we should live in our own land. Right. And, you know, and everything else that, that puts us on the sideland and not the mainland. And yeah. if we can have water, 
And if we can go beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's just all of these things that we we give birth to and that we adopt as our own. It it doesn't make us better. Mm-hmm. You know, because not not only are we dealing with an identity crisis as far as what a Hawaiian is, but what does a Hawaiian do? You know? Yeah. And for, you know, like to be real honest, I'm I'm tired of that same you know, that same conversation of when I get older, I'm going to be a construction worker, just like my dad. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, we have bright minds. We can think for ourselves. You know, but for some reason, that's not the common sense. It's uncommon sense. You know, we need to practice more common sense. (laughs) You think it's different, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah and it's not that construction worker or uh, construction being a construction worker is bad nothing like that but it's just um you don't need to do it just because that's the only thing you think you can get if that's what you like do wonderful be excellent at it but if that's all you think you can do you're wrong exactly that's yeah that's exactly what i mean is we we have to stop this vicious cycle of keeping ourselves as the laborers and then holding these companies accountable for not giving us opportunities to be at the top. Yeah, instead they they bring these guys in from the quote unquote mainland to help the company grow and expand in, in a place where nobody's really explored the brilliance of our people. Right. You know what I mean? And, and the genius of our own people but in order for our kids to stand on their feet, they have to remember who they are. Yeah, for our kids to be able to defend themselves, they have to know the history, they have to know the future. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's basically my mo'olelo um, in the sublong version, right? Is, <laughs> is what and who we are as Hawaiians, is, it's all of the above that we just talked about. You know, and I can I can keep going on and on, but I don't I don't want to keep you know keep you folks on too long. Oh no, nah, this was this was perfect. Thank you so much. Um, that was a powerful moalelo. Thank you for sharing your your thoughts and all the stories that that come together to to answer that question. What is a Hawaiian? Very interesting question, and I hope everybody listening asks themselves that. Who am I? What is a Hawaiian? Am I a Hawaiian? How do I know? And hopefully in subsequent episodes, we listen to more Mo'olelo. And if you don't know, you're going to learn a little bit more about what is a Hawaiian. So thank you for listening. This has been John Prime. I'm Alika Spanaihe. And aloha and ahuiho. Mahalo. Mahalo. <laughs>